Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I am joined by... Theoretically, Beth. Potato Sam. Let's give it a shot. Edge Pongwij Dach Och Pongwij Eh. Caleb. It was quite long. Yeah, Klingon is a, it's a wordy language, apparently. Mm. <laughs> are you going to keep going with this bit through the whole everything, or is are you going to shake it up next? No, I, uh, make, next I, 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 I try to theme it per book. Hero of Ages was different languages. I, I honestly forget what I did for Well of Ascension. Then for Final Empire, that was that was in the early days where I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Well of Ascension oh. was the, and I'm still surprised... Ham is alive. Oh yeah. Mostly. Oh yeah. That was that was the uh And Final Empire know. was the prepared pre records era. Oh yeah. <laughs> well I there will probably be another era of that, but there were ser- certainly several of those back then. We had a stretch where there was a bit that I uh killed you or was and had like replaced you with a contra. What bit? I mean yeah uh, yeah, that was a funny bit. Yeah, that's yeah. Anyways, the book What you have for dinner anyway, last was... night, Caleb. <laughs> Eggs. eggs. It was eggs. Only eggs. 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 Just eggs. Just eggs. Only eggs. Chicken eggs. Alright. Yeah, now that we've established that we are definitely all still the people we claim to be. (laughs) Now that we've finished recapping our past bits. This is the second last episode of Hero of Ages, and oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, it's been said a couple of times. This time it is 100% true. Of I'm very excited to record this episode. But the primary reason I'm excited is because I get to read the, more of the book afterwards. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that we can <laughs> sign off and you can finish the book. Potentially at unhinged hours of the morning, as, it, as God intended. Yes. Yeah. I have finished, I think, the last three Stormlight books at something like 2 a.m. for each of them. Yeah, it happens. That's on <laughs> for you? Uh, nowadays, yes. <laughs> for me, it's always Cal like gets this. him up at like six. <laughs> yes, I, I get up at 5.30 every day because of my dog. I see. So, yeah, we uh, started with chapter 67, uh, about a thir- third of the way through uh, part five, and we read all the way through chapter 75, at which point we had to stop and record this episode. <laughs> yep. Talk about some of the most badass things that have happened in this oh, entire yes. trilogy. Oh, yeah. Got some good wipeouts in this episode. Still no yeah. volcano. Still, yeah. No, Still I mean, we no have volcano. seen, we, we get to see a volcano, but there's no volcano yeah. fight. Yeah, when I was, uh, I mean, we'll get to the chapters as we read through them. But when I was making the episode break down, uh, I was going to attempt to stop us just a little bit earlier. Uh, for maximum dramatic dramatic pausing but the the last episode would have just been a little too big so i could not but yeah i think we should uh, we should get into this and see where this ride took us let's do it uh starting with our chapter 67 epigraph uh we're back to talking about uh hemologic constructs and the control thereof uh and how Colos with four spikes were pretty firmly under either Ruin's control or could be taken control of by an Alamancer, which we have now seen both of. 
I will say, we will get to it more later, Epigraph Writer particularly all over the place today. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot of cohesion. It was just, like, jumping around. Yeah, once we, I think once we get towards, like, the very end of this section and then into the next section in particular, uh, they'll kind of lock into an actual heading to the end of the book. Uh, but before we get there, yeah, it does it does skip around a bit. So as we go into chapter 67 itself, uh, we have Ellen and Vin reunited, having a, a bit of a touching moment, uh, which is, is good. Those characters have been separated for a good, like, entire section's worth at this point. It's been a while. And they're buddies with Yeoman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like the description. It's like, it was good to be held by Ellen again. They're like on top of this structure. It's it's probably a kind of a beautiful image. And then we pan the camera three feet to the left and Yeoman's just there. Why don't they just attack? <laughs> I love that Yeoman's part of the crew. I, I didn't expect there to be like several days worth that pass between chapters. But it does like allow just kind of to skip over the awkwardness of like can we trust you? Probably, but do we really? It's like, no, they've they've kind of talked everything over. They're just firmly on the same side now. And I love that. I love Yeoman. He's great. Right. We are We are now, we firmly have team humanity trying to not die versus <laughs> the end of the world. And all the other divisions have kind of become unimportant. Except Kanpar. Except Kanpar. We'll get to Fuck him. Fuck Kanpar. Fuck Kanpar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what Vin is realizing here is uh, as the the destruction is starting to increase uh, is that ruin is still waiting on finding the atium and can't like actually take action uh, in the way that he seems to want to until that bit of info is revealed hmm. where could it be so uh, vin is trying to figure out what the the next step here is and has a uh, an unfortunate uh, like she's reunited with Ellen, but still has to be kind of playing this thinking on my feet, making it up as I go, and not saying any of it out loud for a little bit longer, uh, which makes the planning difficult. Uh, as she's doing said thinking, uh, she has retrieved and reshaped her earring, which I'm sure we're all overjoyed to. Uh, this is the episode where I can actually, like, say the word earring <laughs> without internally cringing. Please, Vin, please! <laughs> it was a simple matter to get it back into shape. <laughs> Even more than trying not to accidentally say ten soon, the, the word earring has just been this kind of, like, are they going to say anything? Are they going to notice? Yes. Yes, I noticed. <laughs> You did, and I could not actually confirm anything until this episode. <sighs> so, yeah, she's wearing the earring again. Cool. And then the uh, the the other thought that Vin has, uh, she's working on, is there some way to trick Ruin? Uh, and also, is there some way to maybe put herself in suitable danger or pressure to get to draw upon the mists again? Because that's kinda how it's been going i understand she's out of ideas but a wild assumption giving how the zane fight went of like maybe if i'm my life is really on the line then they'll help me 
<laughs> it's even more so. Like, let's get in all the danger. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if this is how it works, then is putting yourself in that danger going to work? I don't I don't know. Man, now that we can talk about the earring, I have to applaud how this chapter is constructed. I think throughout, Brandon did a fantastic job of mentioning it just enough to keep it in your consciousness, but also enough to be evidence that evidently certain people could pick up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sure didn't when I first read this book. Nor but did it's I. Just, I, I. I feel like it, it really shone in this chapter when it's like, She's thinking about drawing on the mists and wondering why. Why didn't it work again? An earthquake hits. We're going to talk about the earthquake for a page. Oh, by the way, the earring's back in now. Yeah, and like even like at the beginning of this chapter, I was wondering, like, did she get the earring back or not? And it is it is a very casual confirmation. So to, to kind of throw anyone off the scent if they haven't already caught it. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I would say that I... <laughs> You know, obviously it's impossible for me to say what I would have picked up on, but I think I would have picked up on it like a couple episodes ago. But uh, Caleb had us covered. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I definitely did not. I also read this book in a single day. Um, <laughs> so instead of over the course of 12 weeks. Yeah, that's part of it. And I, I think another thing to keep in mind is like, when you guys read it for the first time, did you guys like take notes at all or did you no. just keep reading? No. Yeah, I think no. that's, a, that's another like I think big aspect of this is that oh, yeah. like not only do we have time to process, but we're also like writing down our thoughts chapter by chapter. Well, and mm. and like the fact that we do these these interesting segments, it makes it kind of a game or a challenge. So, yeah. yeah. No, I like I'm not upset at all that that you caught it and we didn't. But yeah, completely. Uh, it it was amusing. I mean, we'll get to the actual chapter where it occurred. And it's it's tragic that I have since been through several phones and don't have these texts anymore. Uh, <laughs> I but, also looked. <laughs> yeah. No, Beth sent me a series of texts uh, when she was reading Hero of Ages for the first time that I believe just said the word earring in increasing capitalization and emphasis. I just like at random hours when I would get mad about it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh getting to the the end of uh, of chapter 67 actually. Yeah. <laughs> um I have to go get it. You it? mean that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh Vin's ploy is that uh she's once again going to try to bluff Ruin into the wrong direction is is able to nod and wink enough at Ellen that he plays along uh, and she says that she is going to go get the ATM so that they can protect it and Ellen will stay here and she'll go get it and they share a tender moment and then she says now let's have a chase you and I which is an awesome callback and I love it yeah it is an awesome callback and I need to clarify I do really love it I do have to ask Kelsier didn't say that out loud did he no, he did not. This is just. So this is just, just what like Mistborn say. Yeah, yeah, this is like like <laughs> sympathetic Mistborn drama coordination. <laughs> the the sheer dramatic force of a Mistborn is enough to just telepathically pass it from mentor to student. 
not only did that. he not say it out loud, but he had not met Vin in person at the time. Yeah, that yeah. was like way <laughs> early on. Yeah. Yes. It was like chapter three or something. So we will return to uh, to Ellen and Vin in a bit. Uh, our chapter 68 epigraph. Uh, this is an answer to a question that was posed last episode. Yep. Uh, was why are there still fair chemists then? Uh, and as the uh, the epigraph mentions that the the deal that was struck when Rashik ascended uh, was to transform the the living ferrochemists into Chandra and or into Mistrace and Chandra at least, uh, but that was only the actual ferrochemists that were alive at the time and not the rest of the population of Terrace. And it turns out that when you have genetic traits, they don't always pass down to every generation. They can skip generations. And so as the, the Terrace people continued to exist, there was there were still fair chemists. And that turned out to be uh, quite the thing. Yeah. I mean, that graph writer clearly is wrong because he says gods even make mistakes, but Rorschach has never made a mistake. So, Rorschach like, has clearly know never what made they're a talking mistake. about now. Um, <laughs> the, the explanation does make sense to me. I fully buy it, but it is very funny. I think this is like the third time I've had like a really big question. And then like the next chapter, the epigraph mm-hmm. writer is just like, the answer to the question is because that's how it worked. And I just have to be like, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, when I read this at first, I was like, does this make sense? And then I realized I don't know enough about my punnet squares to uh, adequately yes. answer that. So I just nodded. Yeah. I also, assuming it's Sazed writing this, which is, which is the theory that we're going with, really, really fun. He's so humble. Really fun flex at the end of this oversight cost much. But the world gained so much from there being Farukamists around. <laughs> I mean, I'd think that for our hero's sake, it's a good thing that there were fair chemists around. I know it's true. It's it's not wrong. It's just a fun flex if this is Sazed writing. Uh, so speaking of both fair chemists and Chandra, uh, we go in chapter sixty-eight to Sazed, uh, who is journeying into the the Chandra homeland and is getting to study everything as he goes in. He's looking at the the way that they decorate, the way that they've built these rooms, the way the Chandra themselves look. And it's, uh, he cannot turn off the the scholarship. And it's so nice because it's been quite a bit since we've seen him in full scholar mode. Like even when he was being engi- civil engineer says it, it was pockmarked with guilt. And now it's just like, okay, like obviously I've got some important stuff to do, but like, look at their bones, look at their architecture. How do the genders interact? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. He also picks up on little details like how the Chandra spikes are smaller than Inquisitor spikes, but those small sti- spikes are still effective, huh? Yeah, small spikes. Very, interesting. Uh, very interesting. I also like how he just outright asks, like, if I ran away, would you stop me? And <laughs> apparently the answer is probably not, because the, the first contract says that they cannot harm humans. Uh, he does point out the little wrinkle that the Lord Ruler is dead. Uh, unfortunately and truly dead. 
Yeah, he's, he gets to be a little bit of a troll as he's poking around how the society works, and I love that for him. He's very snarky, this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Just marching in like he owns the place. Which, I guess if he's the announcer, he kind of, you know... <laughs> yeah, if if that's how this is going to work, then like let's let's see what that entails. <laughs> yeah, if I'm gonna be a, a figure of any authority in your religion, I may as well get something out of it, right? So yeah, that's what he does. He is uh, he he is uh, brought by the guards into uh, the the audience chamber that we had seen before, uh, and he says that. He is, uh, first of all, that he is not so much of an outsider to them because he is Terrace, as are they in some in some way. Uh, and that also that he is the announcer. Uh, he is here to say that he has discovered the Hero of Ages and that the end of the world is here, which is a hell of a statement to make after you just show up. <laughs> so he is uh, straight to business here. He requests a, uh, a, a bit of a, a space to do some some work uh, and is going to uh, do some some transcription of some of the things that he has has learned and studied and all that uh, he's got his his copper mines he's put them back on uh, he's ready to to write and then he is greeted by uh, the second generation and not the first who he would very much like to speak with and uh, things get unpleasant <laughs> Well, I apologize for taking your time then. Damn, says it. All right. <laughs> Just yeah. immediately. I love that so much. I love that moment of like, oh, are you? Oh, no. I, okay. I bet he was mostly genuine with that, too. Yeah. yeah. He just comes across <laughs> as sassy. I also... And then he waited to ask if it was the first generation until after he was set up with his, his little desk yeah. <laughs> and writing implements. Like, I can almost imagine him, like, sitting down, and as soon as he finds out it's the second generation, he just, like, gets back up and starts gathering up all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do wish, I don't know how this works with Contra, I do wish Conpar was in traction and, like, had, like, a full-body cast right now. I feel like that would really <laughs> add a lot to the scene. I mean, he deserves it. <laughs> so yeah, Kanpar, who is is the one who is uh, dealing with Sazed, uh, is insisting that this is not the end of the world, uh, and that uh, Sazed is a, a blasphemer. Uh, which it does not help Sazed's argument when he mentions that Tensoon was the one who directed him here. That's not an association that's going to win him any favors, at least with the second generation. Hmm. But uh, Seiza does get to make at least part of his argument that Tensoon could not, uh, which is, like he says, that he he is a keeper, which means he has this vast store of knowledge. But his specialty, as we've seen, is the beliefs of the pre-ascension people. And so he wants to, he both wants to know and wants to point out that uh, the beliefs of the terrorist people pre-ascension are very important right now and should be examined very closely because they're literally correct (laughs) all right at least some of the things we've seen they do seem to be uh they do seem to to have a handle on things more than any of the others so we're not going for the angle i thought but that's fine i guess if you're put in a situation where a religion can be correct uh, okay (laughs) 
let's just move forward with that then. I mean, we don't know a lot about what the uh, the terrorist prophecies say will happen. Like, what 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 happens when the hero succeeds, or how does the hero succeed? Like, there's there's still I think some things still to be learned. But uh, yeah, Sazed makes his his argument. He says, "I have." What I know of the terrorist religions, some of which has been corrupted by ruin, uh, you have your your personal experience from that actual time, and by comparing these and seeing what we can learn, we can we can find out uh, exactly what ruin was trying to hide, which I think is a a good way to go about it. And then Kanpar is about to be more of a jerk about it, uh, and then. One of the firsts speaks up, which is a, a, a fairly unexpected occurrence from the, the times that we've seen this. And then in come the Skeksis. I just pictured Skeksis when I picture the first generation. I'm sorry. I do what? not know the reference. What, what I apologize. It's from the Dark please. Crystal. Skeksis from the Dark... S-K-E-K-S-I-S. Skeksis. I knew I recognized that word. It's because I watched a video clip of Brendan Lee Mulligan ranting about how he likes snacks <laughs> and how he compares oh my people God. who don't need snacks. That's to the why I know the word too. light beings. <laughs> so clearly, I have a one hundred percent firm grasp on the metaphor you're making, Sam. Perfect. All right, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Seconds, get out of here. This guy's a world bringer. Get out of here. Yeah, that is precisely what they say and the accent they say it in. It must be. <laughs> it's Rashek's accent. It was to clarify that they speak with the same accent Rashek had. I was so. going to say, we don't know how much things have changed since then. I've never made a mistake, all right? The traditional <laughs> terrorist uh, accent is a Brooklyn accent. Hey, get out of here. <laughs> I'm world bringing here. <laughs> This is the first time in a while we've seen the word Worldbringer, though. I th yeah. think it got mentioned a couple times in Quan's uh, writings. Yep. Um, but uh, it is really interesting. Like, the the word makes sense here in terms of... I don't know how it would make sense to Quan, but in terms of Condra society living underground the whole time, the idea that the Worldbringer is someone who comes in and says what's happening in the world is actually a really interesting, like, root of what that word is meant to be and i think that's pretty cool yeah i also really like the uh the detail that when when says it actually sees them for the first time uh and notices that instead of any of the the fancy or elegant or or whatever true bodies that the other chandra have made uh they are using just regular human bones and it turns out to be their own bones so they have kind of like resurrected themselves in a very strange way. It's it's weird and twisted, but I think it's cool. Yeah. It seems like a, a Chandra theme. Kind of weird, but also pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I also love that, like, aside from the second generation's reaction to the first generation speaking, like, says it has no frame of context for just how wild it is for the first right. generations to be taking it over so he's super chill about the entire thing he's just like all right nice to meet you let's get to work <laughs> yeah great this was the thing that i requested now it's happening cool so uh into uh our next chapter uh which honestly this is one of my favorites in this section 
just from the the drama of the scenes real quickly through our our epigraph uh we're back to thinking about the uh, prophecies about the hero of ages themselves and they did exist before ruin started manipulating things and then there were things that ruin changed in order to to push the uh the people's beliefs a certain direction but yeah where where did they actually come from originally is kind of the the open question yeah before we move into the chapter uh this chapter was pretty nice nice yes it's nice nice (laughs) yeah now let's go watch someone get murdered by themselves yeah guys did you realize this was chapter 69 Justin, did you avoid saying the number of the chapter <laughs> to yes, try to preserve the drama? <laughs> yes, I did. It didn't work. It sure didn't. Uh. <laughs> Sam said no. How many uh, uh, Marsh chapters have started with, uh, just in the first sentence, Marsh talking about how much he hates himself? And I think being in a pile of ash as well. Yeah, I think and yeah. <laughs> in a pile of ash. I think both of it's those are true Venn for diagram. almost all of them. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like Brandon just has a template that he just drew, like this is where it starts. This is where when I'm writing a Marsh chapter, kneeling in ash hates himself. All right, go. And yeah, <laughs> action. And then there's no action because Marsh has for the moment been kind of cast aside. Ruin has other things to focus on. And uh, at this moment, Marsh doesn't really seem to have a lot of himself right now. Uh, you know, he he still has his kind of vague plan that at the the most relevant, perfect moment, he'll try to to remove his own spike and kill himself is still there. But he went through a a moment where Ruin was distracted and in distress and and possibly vulnerable and couldn't do it so now where does that leave him and he brandon uses the the metaphor of well i guess it'd be a simile because it starts with the word like right there you like go. a tool forgotten in the yard slowly being covered in snow this reminds me of the time i forgot a rake in the yard uh when i was a kid <laughs> But you know what? What was so exciting was in the spring when the snow melted, and I was like, oh, it's the rake I forgot. <laughs> now we're rake. getting into metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, eventually, uh, Ruin does return to command uh, and, and brings Marsh to where he needs to be because there is a task to do, uh, which is to find uh, this single man trudging through the ash uh, the the horse can't even ride anymore. He's just like forcing his way through this chest deep ash. Uh, and we have one final appearance here uh, from Captain Gorodel. Mm. Now I will say we brought this up on our Discord. If we're gonna make a hullabaloo of do horses exist if horseshoes exist, there was a lot of rest in peace Gorodel, but technically. We don't know for sure it's Gordell. Maybe he passed the message on to a different guard with a square face and a balding <laughs> head. There's no way to know for sure. See, if there's one thing we know about Gordell, he, he always passes the buck. Yeah, that was that's <laughs> that what we've Gorodel. seen him do every time. No, yeah. this is uh, this this is Captain Gordell's uh, 
last stand here and it's a it's a really impressive one for oh yeah just a soldier against possibly the most dangerous like physical being in all of skadriel at this point yeah like aside from ruin himself marsh is probably the most deadly thing in the world i think he underestimated gorodel like if he had gone at gorodel hammer and tongs then this probably wouldn't have been Gordel probably wouldn't have run him through with a sword, right? But yeah, there's he does. A, there's a, there's a combination of Marsh perhaps not going full strength right away, uh, and in contrast, Gordel just seizing the chance and a hundred percent committing. Uh, but yeah, he he impales Marsh with a sword, uh, which unfortunately does almost nothing. Uh, goes at him with a, a dagger and. Like at this point, we've seen more of Marsh's fair chemical abilities, uh, keeping him firmly in control of this fight. But without those, you know, how much damage would Gordel have been able to do? But with uh, with his his weapons lost, uh, with Marsh able to maneuver around him, he almost gets away with with one last bit of defiance of taking the the note that spook wrote and destroying it so that nobody else could get a hold of it he tries to to take the metal sheet and and crumple it so that it couldn't be read anymore but uh before he gets there marsh just takes his head right right off with the axe well his arm first and then his head dies without even being named in the chapter not listen. Not that I was expecting him to shout, "I'm Gordel, by the way." While dying, <laughs> <laughs> my name's Gordel. The, nor- the narration could have. Well, I mean, it's clear enough. Uh, yeah. Like he's carrying a note from Spook. So right. Yeah. Yeah, and after a uh, a brief period of time that we will not dwell on too much, where Marsh kind of loses control and just mutilates this body. Uh, he is able to retrieve the note and read it, uh, which is the first time that we've actually seen its contents because we didn't see Spook actually write it out. And we see some of the things now written out that we've been uh, seeing and speculating on and, and now put down cleanly from uh, from Spook's point of view. We've seen some of these internally, but now he's actually you know saying them where uh, he wants to warn Vin uh, that she should not trust anyone pierced by metal, even the smallest bit. Interesting. Mm, like not even a stud in your ear or anything like that, huh? Crazy. But that is where uh, Gordel, the note, and his horse are just going to be left there in the ash as Marsh is once again going to head away. Yeah, horse gets it rough too. Jesus, cut off the horse at the legs. <laughs> not not cool, Marsh. It was also, by the end of this section, it becomes far more clear. But reading this chapter on its own, it really seems like, wow, Spook did not help and maybe made things worse. Because <laughs> now <laughs> Ruin knows what they know. Yeah. The, the note did not get to uh, where it was intended to get to. And that may cause some changes. To uh, chapter 70 now... Yeah, this is, we're in peak jumping around epigraph territory. Uh, although we, we are now relating to uh, Spook and the note that he wrote, because we're going to talk about 
Spook's experience with hemologic spikes uh, and Quellian, who did have a spike and we didn't before know how that got there. And uh, apparently he did it himself, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Couldn't have felt good. This guy. There's kind of a twisty turniness with how I feel about Quellian, because you see him for however many chapters, it's like, oh, this guy's up to some bad shit, and then he gets his spike removed, and it's like, oh, he's been pretty chill since then, maybe it was mostly the spike, then it's like, nah, nah, fam, he put it there himself, like, like, turn, and he, turn he right was already back. like he was already trying to kill some, some noblemen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you look back at Beldra being like, he's usually a good person. He just hasn't been himself lately. And you read this, it's like, what? It didn't seem that great before the spike. Yeah, you sure, girl? Yeah. So uh, into chapter 70, we return to Elland and the army and his new best buddy, Yeoman. <laughs> Hell yeah. Where Yeoman is trying to. Uh, lend his expertise here in terms of logistics to keep the army going. I, I like that Ellen can recognize what texts he's quoting. He's like, hang on, no, I've read that too. I get it. Uh, but also <laughs> the world that we currently live in is not exactly a textbook world. And so while I agree in principle, there may be more complicating matters. I also think it's kind of funny that we heard several times like oh in a different life maybe these two would have been fellow philosophizers and and actually friends and now that they're on the same side of this conflict ellen's just being too much of a bitch to even let yeah. that happen <laughs> he keeps being like yeah i've, I've read that too and yeoman just scowls at him you don't know about much about leading soldiers do you yeoman yeah i do i read a book <laughs> take that take that fucker. But the thing that, that Ellen is concerned about at the moment is the emotion of the battle, is making sure that the forces that he commands uh, have the the will that they need to continue this fight, which in the current state of the world is more important and more difficult than ever. Yeoman thinks that uh, Ellen is an interesting man, and Ellen has uh, some some thoughts about his own condition. He says, I'm a bastard. In that he is a, a mix of several different things that don't quite all fit together. Uh, in that he, he says he's part scholar, part rebel, part nobleman, part misborn, part soldier. And uh, not all of that works together cleanly all the time. I feel like we also get like a weirdly specific insight on Yeoman of Elland going, I'm a bastard. And Yeoman's like, let literally what do you mean by that like ellen is like no no not like that's not i don't mean that yeah no i'm the real one i'm an actual son of stress i sure do know my parentage <laughs> it was it was my crazy brother who was the bastard anyway right, right. no he's the crazy brother and a whole <laughs> bunch of the crazy family that yeah. oh I, yeah you see my There's dad just uh <laughs> long story anyway yeah. Ah, here we are. <laughs> Great, our walk and talk has ended. I can stop talking. <laughs> Do you think Marsh would be more mentally healthy if he was able to walk and think instead of just stand still and think? <laughs> I think he would have to be. So the place that they have arrived to is the the infirmary of the army camp here. Uh, and Ellen is... Uh, partially just stopping by to do the rounds, make an appearance, make sure that the, the people 
see that he's he's looking out for them and the uh relevant injury of the the moment is the mist sickness which we've seen him having to increasingly deal with and there's a a young boy here who is apparently uh, succumbing to the mists and so we uh, we ellen attempts to return to scholarship for a moment uh, because uh, he's he's trying to trying to puzzle over what they do know and he says we never really did figure that out uh, and asks if if yeoman did because he seems like the organized sort who might have have realized it uh, yeoman apparently had not actually tracked the the things that uh, vin had where the fact that uh, this was exactly 16 percent succumbing to the the sickness oh uh, and yeoman says yeah 16 percent. that's four twenty fifths, right just like Everyone me he, he does say yeah that totally makes sense yeah, of course it's 16 three is a magic number yes it is yes it is it's a magic number but uh yeoman is is listing off some of the relevant 16s in the world uh you know the 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 number of days that the lord ruler took to get to the well uh, there were 16 inquisitors, 16 precepts for each canton, 16 elementic medals, 16... The hang on, wait, Caleb. what? Wait, what? <laughs> go back to the charter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to uh, episode zero of Well of Ascension. Uh, when I, I asked, just for a, a sight unseen, now that we've seen that the elementic table as our characters know it might not be complete... How many medals are there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and both of you landed on the number 16. Hey. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yay. I will say, it, first off, it's very funny that he's like 16 medals and Ellen goes, wait a minute, they're 14. And Yeoman goes, eh, there's probably 16. I, like, I don't know for sure, yeah. but like, I'm pretty sure it's 16. <laughs> I was pretty sure that the mist was purposely trying to get them to realize 16 medals. By the time we get to the end of this chapter, it's clear Miss Sickness was for a different reason. And I also know the title of a future book. And I'm just going to say, Justin, if we don't figure out the deal with the 15th and the 16th medals until like three or four books from now, I'm going to find my friend Jack and I'm going to punch him in the arm. (laughs) I mean, maybe like given that I have no consequence here, maybe I root for that. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe Jack deserves to get punched. He listens. Don't say that. <laughs> Jack, I very much appreciate your patronage of this show. We appreciate you very much. I don't know. Get ready. I, I have made I have made multiple deals. Like there's, it's only ever a downside of he might get punched. There's no upside to it. But multiple times I've been like, Jack, if this specific thing in this media I'm consuming doesn't happen, I'm going to punch you. And usually it happens. He hasn't been punched yet. So honestly, who knows? Oh, I thought that was just because he lives across the country now and you couldn't get to him. I didn't know that you actually had no punches to give. No, legit. He's, it's, 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 been, it's paid off multiple times. It's been okay. <laughs> so the two missing but hypothetical medals reminded me of the original periodic table. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, came out in 1869 before every element was discovered and it left nice. gaps for hypothetical but sure to exist new elements. Yep. So, fun little bit of history for you. 
yeah, no, I think it's a super neat one is it was not the first attempt to arrange the elements in some sort of chart, but the ones that had been done before didn't make a lot of sense because things didn't line up. And so it was, uh, it was Mendeleev who was the first one who said, no, we just move these over so that they line up. And I know there's gaps. That's because we haven't found those yet. So, yeah. yeah. In fact, I believe there were like gaps in that table up until like very recently. And it was like, there's one called Union Pentium or something. That's like, there was a naming convention to the bottom row. It's like, we know what we're going to call this element, which once we can prove it exists, we just technically haven't done it yet. Yes. All of the, <laughs> all of the, the final ones, uh, the the ones at the very end they just get numeric names like that one is just latin for 115 em yeah <laughs> and then once they have been studied a little bit more they actually get a proper name we must find the unobtainium god reminds me of uh reminds me of generation x y and z except generation x was because they were like nihilistic not because they were like the the you know whatever the third from <laughs> last generation ever <laughs> serious although may you know you never know could happen ruin could uh resurface be released <laughs> never say die so i did i did peek ahead to the ars arcanum uh just because i was curious what they went with on this printing of the book uh and We'll get to it, I mean, by the time we record again next, that'll be free information. Uh, the The actual table that lists what everything does has 14 uh, alimentic metals in it. But the visual, like, pie chart that shows the, the metallic symbols has 16. Does it, it acknowledges that there are, like, it's exactly like the periodic table, basically? It is a full... Uh, two concentric circles sliced into eight for a total of 16. Mm. So yeah, we will, we'll have to see how the actual, the knowledge, like when does that get discovered? How, how do people figure out the rest of the chart? Uh, but Yeoman is, is quite convinced that 16 must be the right number, uh, which gives Ellen a bit of a clue, uh, which is that the, the mists were not, trying i mean they they were trying to hurt people they were not trying to cause destruction they were trying to snap alamancers and so that means that this this infirmary tent full of people who had succumbed to the mists is a tent full of alamancers oh so cool can't wait to see them all fight yeah uh it'll go great for them i'm sure <laughs> We get to see Ellen and Ham in a tent. It is also like you use the phrase trying, Justin, which is accurate. But Ellen flat out says, uh, they weren't killing us, yeoman. They did definitely kill some of them people, were Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. for the people what there did die. <laughs> yeah, maybe they they were uh, slightly overtuned. Gotta gotta tweak the damage ratios there. <laughs> and then like I understand why but he just yells out, I need pewter, tin, steel, and iron. Make everyone drink those. If they don't burn those four, fuck them. They're not useful right now. Nah, nah, don't <laughs> care. Which, like, given what we've been reading about elementic, emotional elemancy and coloss, 
maybe you should have tried brass and zinc too it's true i think i don't know if the characters in the present know that you can do that without Duralumin. i don't the think the epigraph so, no. writer noted that but i don't know if the characters know that so yeah i don't i don't think that's yeah i don't think ellen knows that there is a note that multiple uh soothers can take one if they're all working together in right. concert. We think that was in the epigraphs though. Oh well yeah, but yeah. So they don't he don't know. I wonder if multiple people working together <laughs> You could at least at least have your your emotional alamancers give you a nice little morale boost. You could. Yeah, they're still it's been established. They still kind of have useful in combat. <laughs> And also, you don't know if there's some Inquisitors out there, so it might be nice to get some Seekers as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, just those four. <laughs> yeah, we can start with those four at least. It would be amazing if he was like, pewter, tin, steel, iron, and copper. Yeah. <laughs> Ruin won't know. <laughs> so yeah, we have a uh, a bit of a win here, and it's it's been a while, especially for Ellen and the army to have a uh, a success that they can they can actually build off of. So that will be that will be good for them. Yeah. Uh, our uh, chapter 71 epigraph also kind of continues on this this revelation here uh, talking about yes, there is something uh, unique about the number 16 and it uh, you know it it was uh, it w- there were clues that preservation was trying to to lead people towards to get them to realize, hey, this is a thing that you need to pay attention to, even if the the sixteen itself might not be the important part. Uh, it was at least a, an indication of something. Uh, and then the end of the epigraph says, also there there maybe are some other things about sixteen, and I'm still trying to figure that out. So. That's a bit that we can definitely rifle on. Push pin. Leave it there. Uh, chapter 71 is returning to uh, Sazed and the investigation that he's conducting alongside uh, the first generation. And the, uh, I'm sorry, but somewhat unfortunately named Haddock. I will say, I actually, I like that his name is not, it does not follow the contra yeah. form of two syllables and they're both capitalized it's very much it sounds like a name similar to Rashek because these were originally terrorist men i think right that's cool. it, it's still a name from that long ago yeah what, what could ruin want what did he want he wanted her to release him idiot idiot added by me Haddock was very respectful but i would have said idiot <laughs> like yes yeah but uh we're uh, we're trying to figure out here what the uh, you know how are these prophecies all supposed to to shake out, uh, and yeah, like you said, it was so that ruin would be freed. That was a pretty significant part. But uh, there are still some things that are a little unknown. Haddock cannot say for sure uh, what exactly the power at the well is. It doesn't quite. Uh, you know, that knowledge isn't quite so clear, uh, but he does have uh, at least some of the the theological musings on uh, the the creation part of this, on uh, ruin and preservation, and how uh, they neither of those can create by themselves. 
Uh, and so it, it did take both of them to, to create the, the people of Skadriel as they are. <laughs> Made a great contract. I, uh... I I I wrote down. See, I'd been meaning to write down like a comparison to what this deal was to like modern life. Do you mean to read? <laughs> yep, read sure, my run through. Go for All it. All right. Uh, so here, uh, I, I'm a landlord. I'll let you rent this apartment, but one day I'll evict you. I won't tell you when. I will give no advance notice, and the contract is no minimum time period. Also, you need to leave immediately when I tell you, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Also, I, the landlord, hate that you are renting this for me, and thus have incentive to minimize the amount of time you are renting this apartment. You need to have a minimum time period preservation. Yeah, it's not a great deal if you're a person. And then Preservation signs it and goes, oh, wait, shit, no, Uh, I guess I better, (laughs) I guess I better bullshit my way out of this then. He did renege. That is kind of a shitty thing to do, but like, come on. The Hero of Ages is one big, just like, lawyer trying to undo the contract. (laughs) Hero of Ages is Saul Goodman. (laughs) And this is why. We hate landlords in this house. Yeah, I'll yeah. sign on to that. But uh, but I'm hoping that, you know, no politicians listen to this podcast, because I'm sure some of them are drooling over the prospect of that being a reality. <laughs> yeah, that was not a how-to guide. No. no not, not a perfect world there. So I do think it's it's very interesting what uh, one of the things that happens next here as Sazed is learning about... Uh, the the terrace faith is having just cons- uh, having just conducted kind of a um you know i'm looking for the academic word for this like a a, a theological overview of the world faiths uh, he's he has similarities and categories in mind whereas he's he's learning these things he's just kind of slotting things into boxes and going no i i've seen all this elsewhere this isn't like there are new bits of information here but it's not obviously the one true thing that i can clearly say is correct yeah it seems like this area this part of the text is teeing it up for says to learn the true meaning of oprah in which Look, all the religions are kind of correct, and that's all that, you know, it's it's just fine that we all, it's, you know, we can all just get along and, like, just assuming everyone will agree with that 100%. And I was a little bit like, that might be a very simplistic answer to the question Sazed has been searching for. Um, but we get a little bit more from it, which is good. I also love that in the middle of this, like, Haddock realizes Sazed is thinking about something. Sazed is like, no, nah, I'm sorry, it's personal. And the end of the world is happening, and the first generation is like, no, we got time for some therapy. What's up? What's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're basically our, like, great, 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 great grandchild, so, like, mess up. Granddad's here for you. Yeah. L- let's see what we can do. But Haddock he cuts to the chase of it. Like, you're looking for a religion that requires no faith, and that's not a religion that exists. Yeah. That's no, great. Yeah. This discussion was Dostoevsky as shit, and I loved it. <laughs> I'm going to take a brief moment to Google the phrase Dostoevsky as shit. <laughs> T-shirt. 
New merch. <laughs> I keep thinking about a Merlin Alert shirt. <laughs> that's uh, that's zero results, so we, we're on to something here. Hell yeah. We'd wow. hashtag who is fourth voice, obviously. We, yeah. we've, got, we, we've got merch ideas. We could go for it if we wanted to. <laughs> so uh, moving on from trying to solve the capital P problem of religion which may not happen in this single room during this single discussion. Uh, Sazed wants to know some more details about the the interaction between ruin and preservation at the well, th- this, this prison that he's learned about, and how exactly that worked. And I think we also wanted to know some of these details. <laughs> yes. That would be good. And some of the things that we do learn here is that uh, this this balance of power uh, between ruin and preservation. There was one, uh, but what Sazed is thinking about is when he was at the well and saw that pool of of power, and then also the 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 black smoke that was in the chamber, uh, and he saw a, an imbalance there. Uh, but the the first generation are talking about how. There are multiple parts to to both of them, to both ruin and preservation. Uh, and so, you know, preservation was some of that power was in the pool, yes, but some of it is is kind of everywhere, is is influencing everything in the world. Uh, and then similarly for ruin, there was there was some in that chamber, uh, but there is also some elsewhere. Uh, as it turns out. We, uh, we find out exactly where elsewhere because it's right here. Because this is part of what, what seems to be one of the most important parts of the first contract is that the, uh, the Chandra, their task uh, was to gather Ruin's power, in, in a sense, and, and keep it safe from Ruin. And so Sazed goes over to the trust warren to this this metal plate in the room uh uses his uh his pewter mind to give himself the strength wrenches it out of the way and sees this enormous stockpile of atium hidden in the Chandra homeland. The fact that he describes it as only thousands of beads it feels small to me. Maybe like tens of thousands. It is thousands upon thousands. So is that okay. like three thousand, or is that like hundred thousands? Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's a lot. There's almost all the ATM in the world, right here. I also love that Sazed starts going over to it and kind of like looks back at the first generation, like, "Are y'all, y'all gonna stop me?" And they're just like. I mean, we're not going to open it for you, but we're not going to stop you, no. So, which we're makes tired, me think man. that all of the Condra's rules lawyering habits just came from terrorist non-confrontal <laughs> nature. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me very happy. Mm, the metal plate that hides this thing from somebody who's taken off the thing. Weird. I didn't mm, do it. That's not important. But yeah, there's a, uh, there are a couple of details that kind of all start to lock into place here. Uh, the fact that 
this is right adjacent to the pits meant that most of the ATM that was mined never even got further than this. It was just put right into the trust. Uh, the fact that Chandra contracts are all paid in ATM meant that what did get out into the world, uh, if it didn't get used by Alamancers, there's a good chance it was coming back here. So yeah, this has been a centuries-long process to gather probably almost all the ATM in the world. In the middle of this conversation, we also get the first generation saying gods don't have bodies like those of men, which I'm sure is true to an extent, but also what what fell into the ash after the mist spirit disappeared? That that was described very similarly to a body like that of a man. Good question. <laughs> Next question. Next question. Um, uh, <laughs> I do love that, like, Sazed is, like, thinking all this over, and he's like, Adium, it had never fit in with the other metals. And then Maladium is over here being like, guess I'll die. I guess there's just, I don't, <laughs> I guess I'm not different enough. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty clear, I think, that they're, the the people in this book still do need to kind of puzzle out how the rest of the chart all works, to some extent. Yeah. It was also not until this chapter that I like re-remembered that part six is called trust, which is that that's just a cool thing of like, oh yeah, I hadn't put together it. That refers to this also. Hmm. There's a lot of trusting going on. It's true. I trust you to keep this safe from ruin. Don't let anybody uh, r remove the metal plate without you interfering, meaning at all. Yeah, there's a there is some some quite important. I mean, if you're going to rely on trust then the hyper literal and hyper rule following chandra at least you've got a good chance there also this is related to nothing except us saying the word trust over and over again uh if you're at all interested in computers go read the paper reflections on trusting trust it's fascinating that's unrelated to anything continue caleb Kind of with Sam here of, says that you could put the lid back on when you're done, and it never specifies that he does, and I am uh, nervous about that. <laughs> isn't there a section, isn't there a section later on where, like, he, it specifically says he didn't? Like, the people are in the chamber and the, <laughs> it's just still uncovered. Yeah, that's probably important. Let's, uh, let's see if Sazed can keep a handle on that. Very briefly at the end of this chapter, we get uh, our other Chandra-related POV, uh, as Tensoon has been uh, has been trying to make it to Fadrek City, uh, and has not made it nearly far enough when he finds uh, the Ashmount Tyrion uh, that has basically completely blown up, and the world like I've said repeatedly that this world is not in a good shape. But now we're in, like, actively, like, hellscape at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are, we are in, we are fully apocalypsing. Mm-hmm. World you thought could not get worse gets even worse more than you thought it could. <laughs> yeah. But his, uh, his progress to Fadrex has been halted, uh, which is probably a good thing given that Vin has just left Fadrex. <laughs> but the 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 reunion between the two of them does seem increasingly unlikely. 
if there was a thing that we needed here, it was a character on top of a hill overlooking a landscape. Seriously. Like, we needed to see how things are progressing. And here it is. It's Tensoon. Yeah, absolutely. Horse Tensoon. Tensoon <laughs> as horse. Tensoon who has been around for centuries upon centuries. And this is the worst thing that he's ever seen, essentially. I, like, legitimately think this image is very striking. This little brief scene is very good. I am quite amused by the wording at the end. It's like, he could detour to the south and continue on to Fadrex, but for some reason, he found it hard to get up the motivation. For some reason, girl, there's a volcano in front of you. That's a very good reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the second most striking visual of this section. Before chapter 72, we have a uh, fairly lengthy epigraph about the uh, knowledge of the metals and how that actually works. Uh, the the epigraph writer is pondering that maybe the Lord Ruler was intentionally obscuring that knowledge for his own power's sake, but that, that actually kind of uh, twisted things around a little bit because without that knowledge in the world uh, of things like refining aluminum it was hard to get that for inquisitors either saving a few important cases like marsh yeah marsh sure does have a duralumin spike that cost killing an entire mistborn to get apparently do we see that at one point we hear how many spikes marsh has we do not see him obtain that spike i don't think he also really casually drops that there are Duralumin mistings, which will be touched upon later on, and Ellen will talk about this exact thing. But my question reading that was, what the hell does an aluminum misting do? That's That has to be the roughest of the bunch. Like, I know Duralumin you also can't do much with on its own, but aluminum specifically, that's that's a bad draw of the cards. <laughs> We covered this, didn't we? Like, we chatted about it earlier. Like, this is the time to bring that up, Caleb. So I'm not chiding you for bringing it up now, but um, they're called, like, gnats, right? Yes, I was going to say. I didn't know if we'd actually brought it up before, but yes, the the common name, like you have you know, pewter arms and tin eyes or whatnot, is aluminum gnats because they don't do anything. They do <laughs> nothing. But uh, Chapter 72 itself... Uh, here is Vin, and it is time for maximum allomancy at this point. Uh, she has made it all the way to Luthadel from Fadrex, and uh, at this point, she can she can feel allomantically that there are inquisitors closing in on her, and that was the goal. She is at this point just trying to play distraction, which is a deeply uncomfortable thing to do when the thing that you are trying to distract is several steel inquisitors <laughs> she gets to credit shaw and i wrote down in my notes i hope she flies up to the top of it again we need that once per book and i like this chapter yeah this chapter rules y'all this chapter is so good we got some administrative matters to get through before it gets really good, though. We, we've got yeah, this specific <laughs> chapter is pretty cool. There is a cooler chapter that is very closely related to this one. Oh yeah, no, we've got uh, we've got some stuff that's going to happen. So let's start. Uh, we start with 
uh, Vin deciding that it's it's time to to talk with Ruin, or I suppose Ruin deciding that to to talk with Vin. Ruin says, "You've come here. I've already searched here. We we've looked very thoroughly." Uh, and at this point, he says that he's he started to catch on, and he doesn't think that she knows where it is or has it. Uh, and so they are, the, the Inquisitors are coming. Vin says, you'll have to try to make me talk, which is a, a hell of a boast to be whispered in the dark, in the rain. This scene is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is, it's absolutely worth it because it makes the visuals very striking, but the amount of times it is specified that water is dripping off of something or spraying off of something, like, there's a lot of that in this chapter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, it is, uh, it's time for a fight, Mm -hmm. and the fight here is Vin by herself against 12 Inquisitors and Marsh. Who at this point they say has twenty spikes, the most badass fight in the entire trilogy so far, with Kelsier and the bars of the cell a close second. I will not dispute that at all. This I think would rank very highly on my list of best action scenes in the Cosmere. I w- yeah, I would dispute the number two. I still love the Marseille fight in Well of Ascension, but yes, this one is it's it is special. This is the number one for me as well. Actually, now I kind of offline with Beth want to try to make that list of like top five action scenes, but that'd be a. I mean, a tough we gotta one. know what number one is, right? I I think I agree with you, but yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Zane and Vin, everyone's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even maintain that joke for that no. long. <laughs> yeah, you have to specify <laughs> that that was a joke. Uh, this fight is so badass that I wrote down what happens in it instead of writing, and then a fight happens. Yeah, no, usually I kind of skim over there is an Alamantic fight. It's really cool. But yeah, like, th- this is like Vin kind of unleashed at this point. She, her whole purpose right now is just this fight. And it's just, it's so cool. Yeah, it has vibes of, like, there's certain fights in video games that you're supposed to lose. And if if it's bad game design, you can still beat it if you're really, really good, but then the same cutscene plays. If it's good game design, then you can beat it, and it actually does change the game, mm-hmm. and it has to, like, reconfigure itself. And it feels a lot like this, and you're, like, watching the fight, and you're like, she might have a chance here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... um. She's holding her own against uh, the first couple of of Inquisitors. Uh, As I'm scanning through here, I'm going to point out a a brief moment where she fell with the rain, which is a great line. Yes. And another callback. Yep. Uh, But yeah, this this fight is increasingly difficult, even against the other times that we've seen Vin take on an Inquisitor, uh, because more and more of them have access to Ferrakemi as well. Uh, so they they have increased speed even beyond pewter, which is not a thing that that Alamancy can match. Uh, some of them may have healing. We saw Marsh does. Uh, and yeah, she says this is basically like fighting thirteen of the Lord Ruler. 
But it's her fight to win, as long as they all just run out of medals. Yeah, just, you know, bring your Resident Evil 4 briefcase full of vials, Vin, and I'm sure you'll outlast them. <laughs> she does a pretty good job. Yeah, the way she actually takes one of them out by tearing it in half on one of Critic Shaw's spikes is wild. It's so good. Great. Yeah, that's that's pretty fucking cool. And then it stops being quite so great for a hot second. Yeah, because uh, she's she's wearing out. She's running out of metals. Uh, Marsh himself is here, and she really needs that moment. You know, this this is the time, if it ever will happen, to to have the mists help her. And it we get nothing, and and we get Vin for the moment beaten and and it she starts thinking back to all of these other times that it seems like this is where her life has ended up even the secret ingredient marsh is here why can't she draw on the mists <laughs> yeah she she's she's trying the mists are treating her the same way it's treating the inquisitors and ruin kind of let's loose a little bit and let's marsh torture her is what happens like this part i am gonna skip through a bit because it's deeply unpleasant yeah a lot of, lot of breaking of bones uh but i i guess fortunately for us we we do not have to see this from vin's point of view we're gonna return to march Justin, the first sentence is Marsh watched her scream, listening to its sweetness, and then proceeds to talk more about breaking bones. Yeah, it's it's not. <laughs> what do you mean? Luckily for us. <laughs> yeah, perhaps not. There's a very cool progression here as Marsh is watching over this, though. Of no, a tiny piece of him thought, and then to uh, uh, the paragraph later, no, he thought. He thought, and then it progresses yep. to just no. I thought that was a really cool, subtle building up to yeah. the big moment. Yeah, as uh, as the the violence is kind of building, we've seen this with the Coloss. Ruin's control starts to slip away a bit. It's some of that, and it's some of just Marsh being an incredible badass who still has some resilience of himself here. Of just a bit. Yeah, just enough to be able to make a couple of moves and to remember the note that he read that he took from Captain Gorodel and the things that Vin had said uh, about this earring that she got when she was a very young girl, uh, when her mother, when, when Reen found her baby sister dead and Vin with this single earring that her mother had given her and Marsh pulls out the earring. This is so yeah. cool. This is so cool. <laughs> Earring! Earring! Uh, it's so good, because it's such a good, like, thematic, like, twist of the entire time Marsh has been like, when I have a second, when I can finally do it, I'm going to pull out my spike. And instead, he pulls out a different spike that turns out to be even more important. Yeah. I, I love no, that. No, it's, it's great. He he did pick the correct linchpin spike. Yeah, it's true. Did he yell, fucking goddammit, Vin, I can't believe I have to do this for you. How did you not figure this out? <laughs> You only hear it when it's in, Vin. <laughs> that was actually in between their their different POV paragraphs. She was just too much in pain to hear him say it. 
Well, there's a there's a chapter break in between a very cool moment where he grabs his, she grabs his arm and then it just says she had already tossed him aside. It could be like as she's throwing him, he's like, "God damn it! Why did I have to do that?" <laughs> and yeah, now that we can we can talk about this, uh, Caleb. I mean, I'm gonna say well done for for figuring yeah. out that the earring was relevant. Uh, let's see, episode five. Uh, no, episode six, my bad. End of part two uh, is the first time that our predictions sheet says earring in bold and italics. For the <laughs> record, I will say, I thought it was going to be important in a way that would help. However, yeah. I did I, I, I did clock early on. That's got to be something. Yeah, that is, a, that is a, a hefty deposit of podcast points. I think the one thing, though, that never did get brought up uh, which was a question that I didn't ask because I thought that you would just go looking and just find the answer, uh, was a hemallergic spike requires another Allomancer to be killed to create the spike. So where did it come from? And the answer is it was Vin's baby sister. Yeah, that's pretty oh. fucked up. I am that's pretty I, messed up. I, I am, when I, when I finally formulated my actual, like, hemallergic spike earring theory i was like frustrated with myself because i knew there was a conversation about the earring but i couldn't remember where it was and i never found it i forgot that it was with marsh and Mm -hmm. i i wonder if i might have been able to clock that but uh i i never tracked down and reread that conversation so yeah that one flew by me but yeah the marsh tears the the earring out of vin's ear and everything shifts here Ruin vanishes to to Vin's sight. Uh, the mists instantly return. They they spun around her, playful and friendly, and she's still in horrible, horrible shape here. But then, she draws upon the mists one more time, and she she feels this feeling, and and we we hear, kind of just the, this thought coming together of the of preservation's power in solid form in the bead that they found and gave to ellen in liquid form in the well and the mists all around and so vin one more time draws upon the mists catches marsh's arm as his axe is swinging and we will leave that chapter and come back to vin in just a moment it will not be long it's very good. I imagine the Wonder Woman theme playing as she catches the arm. Very good moment. Yeah. Um, I also love, I think perhaps surpassing the satisfaction of Ruin going, well, that's very odd. I, I just, I really want, it, it's a very big, important moment, so it shouldn't be too comedic. But the specification of it had been stifled mid-sentence is hilarious to me. Just imagining <laughs> Ruin being like, you can't possibly think you could really defeat me. Bloop. Yeah. And Vin's reaction just being, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it, it will not be long before we come back to Vin, because that is probably the most important thing that's happening in the world right now. <laughs> but uh, very briefly, we're going to see some other things in the world. Uh, we're going to have a, an epigraph uh, where we can now talk in a little more specificity about things like uh, the fact that uh, 
Vin's bronze was more sensitive than than another Mistborn or another Seeker would be uh, because of a uh, a small hemorrhagic spike. Yeah, when this was brought up in the epigraphs, specifically with reference to uh, Seekers and Inquisitors, uh-huh. that is where I would have drawn the connection between Vin and yeah the whole copper cloud thing so but saying it again all right fine not to gather up as many podcast points as possible i'm pretty sure i clocked that as well that the bronze is what helped her pierce copper clouds i think i said that at some point all right we need a new game uh let's let's count uh, all the times that caleb is not correct (laughs) and and then we will have a smaller number and you guys won't have to do so much tallying. I mean, I think by Caleb's own admission, there are lots of times that he is not correct by sheer density of theories. But we'll uh, we'll see what the the rest of this book has to hold because there's still there's still a thing or two. Uh, chapter seventy three itself, we're going to start by very briefly seeing uh, a couple of other points in the world here uh, as. It turns out that the mist that Vin is drawing upon is all of the mist everywhere. The whole mist. All every mist. Which means that uh, Tensoon can see uh, where he is near Mount Tyrion. He can see the mist start to, to flow towards Luthadel. And more than probably just about anyone else in the world, he actually has an idea of what this might mean and starts to give, gives him one more burst to try to head back towards Luthadel. I do a, a map simp here, just checking the till. Uh, it does say that the lava bars his path eastward. He's trying to go west, isn't he? I am not sure. I haven't looked. Does this account for rotating the map slightly? Uh, oh yeah, Fadrex is still definitely west of Luthadel in general. And then he says he heads back to Luthadel, which should be to the east, so clearly the lava's not blocking him that badly in that direction. Well, we'll see one more uh, across the world, because we also go uh, once again to Urto, where even there, they can see we have uh, we have Breeze and Aurian trying in some way to keep this city running. Uh, <laughs> and and they can see too. They can see the uh, the mist starting to move, uh, and they don't know what uh, what any of this is about. Uh, Spook knows one very little thing, uh, which is that they need to get to safety, and so hopefully that is what they can do. I know we're all excited to get to the fight scene, but can I just point out uh, this is apparently a death flag. That uh, uh, Breeze is complaining about uh, things that he told Kelsier he didn't want to do, which is what Dachshund did before he was bisected in <laughs> Keep Venture. It's true. It was. Uh, folks, I'm not proud of this. I think part of this is maybe a flaw in the writing, but part of it is definitely a flaw in me. I forgot Alrian was here up until this chapter. <laughs> Just, like, literally read her name. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. I can't believe you forgot looks at smudged writing on hand, Almanand, and her vital importance to the plot of this book. 
Did she show up at all in the, like, final Urto showdown? I don't believe so. Okay. I think think her and Breeze won... Uh, She was uh, rioting... She was part of the cause of the the way that the people were behaving, wasn't she? Are you sure you're not yeah. thinking about when they saw Spook jump out of the building? I was just about to mm, say, yes. I thought that one, two, Breeze, Alrianne punch on that crowd was the last time she was relevant. Or mentioned. <laughs> well, she's oh, yeah. mentioned when they take Beldry hostage, but aside from that... And she's like, I fucking hate her. Yeah. Well, yes, she she is in fact still here. Uh, she she does do something. She gets Breeze moving. <laughs> that is a feat. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, uh, one more one more time across the world to our our third location. We're returning to Ellen and the army uh, and Ham, who we haven't seen for a little bit. And yeah, we we unfortunately do not get to see the the details of Ellen's brand new misting army uh we do hear a little bit about it in that it is uh, certainly better than they thought they'd fare earlier but these men are all very untrained and uh, they are kind of desperately holding out and again we see that the mists are are flowing to luthadel uh and it turns out that right at this time uh the the Kolos forces retreat because it turns out they are also going towards Luthadel. So things are converging one final time on the the center of the final empire here. Because now it's time for the actual best consecutive scene. Yes, and now Vin fights 12 Inquisitors and wins. (laughs) So here's, uh, here's a question for you, a movie adaptation question. What song is playing? Ooh. And it can't be a song from a mu- from a movie. It can't be the Wonder Woman theme because that's from a different movie and they're not going to give you the rights. What I mean, do you you want us to have like Istanbul not Constantinople playing? What do you <laughs> There's there's a lot of songs that have been in movies. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you can have a song that's in a movie, but you can't have a song that is custom prepared for a different movie. I think this has to be something new, though. I think this has to be something that's... I, I was going to go with something that's actually, like, almost serene. Ooh, Ooh that's mm. that's interesting. Yeah, I want I want us to get Michael Giacchino in here, just have him go all out for this. <laughs> I had a song in mind. Okay. I was thinking Jane by Jefferson Starship. Just, like, once that drops... You guys don't know the song, that's fine. I know they were featured in the Star Wars Holiday <laughs> Special, so that's a positive thing. It's a it's a good song, but uh, it like starts with like a little doodly doo kind of lead in, noodling with guitar, and then it like drops, and at that drop, we start. I don't know. Nice. So we, could we have, start we could, basically the same as Roundabout, honestly. <laughs> and Vin is the super gravity gun. We're in that part of Half Life Two. Yeah, Vin has. Vin has leveled up once again here. This is th- th- this is something special here. This this is Alamancy on a level that probably nobody has ever seen before. She's she's throwing things around. She's throwing inquisitors around. 
and she's throwing credit Shaw around. She's throwing credit Shaw around, <laughs> and we start counting dead Inquisitors, which is not a thing that has probably ever happened before. And it's very cool. Yeah, it is. Had these very creatures cool. ever seemed quick to her? That line was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. She kills an Inquisitor with the spikes of another Inquisitor. Yeah, at one point, she is, uh, when she's on, uh, when she's racked up kill number four, uh, the other eight are chasing her. Uh, she, she pushes everything away. Uh, and by everything, I mean, she pushes the Inquisitors, which is not a thing that anybody could do before. And she also just implodes one of the spires of Kretik Shaw. She also reaches her hand out in that moment, which, like, at this point, I guess just let them do that if it makes them feel cooler. It would look very cool. It's just, it's the amount of times we got in Final Empire Kelsier saying, you don't have to raise your hands up, and then proceeded to watch every single Alamancer throw up their hands whenever they're still <laughs> yeah. pushing is really funny to me. We also have in the uh, in the middle of this moment, or in the middle of this fight, we have a gorgeous moment she As goes to space. That incredible push <laughs> sends her above the mist, and she gets to see the sky and the stars. Yeah, if we're if we're scoring this moment, the whole orchestra has just been going crazy up until now, and then she gets above the mists, and it's just one violin. Just yeah. as she hangs there. It's such a good image. It's it's all this book's very good. It's very good. She looks down. There's a giant whirlpool beneath her. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah, we. she falls down back to the battle, uh, finds that somewhere in that mess, one of the other Inquisitors has died. Uh, she then just blows up the rest of Kretik Shaw. <laughs> and that's kind of like essentially where the battle ends. Yeah. <laughs> she, she just, it's just clean up after that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, at one point, you yeah, after that you have 6 and 7, followed by 8, and then 9, by 10, its 11. Head free. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there, Vin realizes that she is, she has somehow, like, absorbed so much mist that it is now trailing out of her. So we get another awesome visual there. And then, uh, trailing on from there, we, we have... At this point, the fight, yeah, the fight is kind of over. Uh, we have 12 out of 12 of the, quote, normal Inquisitors that Vin has beaten here. And the only one that is left uh, is Marsh, who, from when she threw him off right after drawing on the mists, is still here, is in rough shape for an Inquisitor, uh, but is still quite capable of of uh, doing some terrifying things. But uh, as it, sh she's trying to to figure out, is it is it time to, I guess, put him out of his misery? Is is what she's thinking. One more time, draws the mists in, and that is all of the mist. Looking looking around the world, it is it's all gone. She's going to uh, to finish this this task and let Marsh stop everything that he's doing. And then suddenly, 
we get and then we get a pov change <laughs> and last time that happened it was really cool marsh did something really cool hey he gets he gets his moment of of recognition of i did what i needed to do and it worked and i'm glad that we do get to see that yeah yeah and he'd done mayor proud yeah but it it turns out that he's really not in fighting shape anymore vin reaches him pulls out one of his eye spikes it hurt we we do know that vin hesitates for just a second and then she vanishes i i'm trying to do the i, you, I the heard you practicing it earlier <laughs> I, just, I can't do it i don't know like my mouth i don't know what's going on i can't There I'll, it is. Yeah, I'll take yeah, one of those. That wasn't me. That was somebody else. <laughs> but you know what? Thanks for doing that. Thanks for thanks for yeah. I just like to picture like this scene, just this gathering noise of like shh, and then all of a sudden it's just done. Pop. Yeah. <laughs> Disappear. And Bye. if if the chapter breaks worked slightly differently, I was definitely going to end the episode right here. <laughs> But we do have a little bit more. We have a, a short scene in chapter 74 and then uh, one more thing in chapter 75 to look at another plot line. And then we'll have to return in our next section to see what the consequence of this was. What what happened there? <laughs> what, what did happen? Where did the hero of our book go? Where'd she go, though? Where's she at? Hmm. Uh, before we get there, Two more epigraphs, two more chapters. Uh, 74, the epigraph. Why Why Vin? Why did she get chosen by Ruin, at least? Uh, and the answer there is the exact right circumstance of uh, a Mistborn and a Seeker and someone who could have a hemallergic spike placed and having that all line up just right sometime in the last thousand years uh, was was exactly what Ruin was looking for. But with, with something having happened to Vin, uh, the rest of the world is still here, uh, and it's here with no mist, which is a very strange change for the world. Uh, and we'll see if it's a change for the good or not, because... The one of the first things that uh, Ellen and Yeoman are trying to deal with is the fact that the world is very, very warm. I do love Yeoman just being like, "Is it usually this hot? It feels really hot today, man." Yeah, it. At any other <laughs> time, that would be a very average, mundane problem to be having. Like, yeah, the weather, man. You know, what can you do? I like to think Yeoman did not think it was that odd. He was just trying to make conversation. <laughs> Also, we're in the middle of, uh, or I guess not the middle, but the very end of a, a lovely fight. The aftermath of a great fight that Ellen had. Listen, we couldn't have had back-to-back -back fights. That would have been really weird, and it would have detracted from the awesome one that we did have. But I kind of wanted to see the Alamancers do something. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Ellen Ventures shines so brightly off-screen. I was going to make the off-screen joke, yeah. Much like the Cubs, he only wins when I'm not watching. 
Well, in that case, it's time to block your access to Cubs Radio and MLB.com. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Guess so. take, take one for the team. But yeah, now Ellen needs to to figure out what to do. You know, he's he's trying to he's organizing the aftermath of the battle. Uh, he says, move the the people into the storage cavern. Tell the soldiers to be ready for something. Doesn't know what. But uh, yeah, this uh, we're we're going to to wrap up very shortly here. Yeoman has a a moment where he has finally perhaps changed his mind we we do see the culmination of uh yeoman and ellen actually starting to work together here uh as as yeoman says he's he's changed his mind uh the 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 things that he was thinking earlier were were untrue and that uh that ellen is a good man and as a uh as a token here he's going to offer the uh the last beat of atm that he has the completion of a quest in a video game. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's your wrap-up dialogue, and here's your quest reward. <laughs> You've maxed out your friendship. Yeah, that's right. That. Here's one where I was wrong. I was really hoping he was going to be a Farukovist, but uh, we get the uh, misting confirmation. Yeah. We we know here now uh, that uh, this is something that, that Ellen did not realize was possible, but Yeoman is a misting. He is a seer, an ATM misting. And uh, Ellen, I, I think rightfully says at this point, okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you ever have one of those days where you're like, this might as well just happen. <laughs> In like the last six months of this man's life. We also, that does basically confirm that he really did just hork down and an ADM bead every single time he heard Ellen show up or had to deal with Vin. <laughs> like, that absolutely was his plan. And I don't know, I love that. I think that's really, that's kind of silly, but I love it. So all Ellen had to do was show up to seven more balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could have killed him. Would have been all gone. I do, I have an assignment for, for Beth specifically here, which is, oh. could you look up to see how many yeoman ellen stories there are on ao3 because <laughs> the image of yeoman going oh ventures on his way i better prepare myself with this very limited resource i have left so i can be prepared for anything just i just i feel like people are gonna latch onto that there's not a ton of mistborn fix yes and and AO3. i want i want to actually talk about this later because i find it quite interesting about the the differences in uh fandom but we have a lot to talk about this episode and I can't get into that right now. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, because this is this is the end of this duo here because Yeoman says, here, take this ATM. Uh, you can probably put far more use of it than I can. Uh, go find your wife. And then he tries to use the horseshoes. He, he does his best. Our final epigraph for the section talks about the uh, the interaction of the number and size of spikes versus the the mental fortitude of the person who is being controlled or influenced uh, and a single very small spike would only allow ruin to do things like appear and speak and perhaps uh, encourage a compulsion like always wearing an earring 
this epigraph was a little weird to me because I get the like stoke the compulsion to wear the earring. But aside from that, like we already know all this, don't we? <laughs> I think so. I think it was I, I think it was mostly to lead up to the the thought about why did Vin keep wearing the earring? That's fair. I just we're we're so close to the end of the book, and I'm waiting for for big epigraph reveals. And this one was like, here's a little little extra detail for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, our final chapter of the section, uh, we are going to be one last time for this section uh, with Sazed and trying to figure things out with the uh, the first generation. Mm, with Condra nuts. With notes on Condra. Notes on metal on Condra. And they're nuts. Or lack of nuts. That uh... Yeah, we get Sazed learning about gender theory, but then we also find out the Condra reinforce the gender binary. So it's basically like a net zero uh, for society here. <laughs> yeah. N- nothing uh, nothing of, of value gained or lost here. Yeah, he uh, he really wants to do just like a whole anthropological study on the Chandra people, but it is very much not the time. There might not be much of a world in which to study them. Yeah, we we have gotten to kind of the end of his his session on the Terrace Faith, uh, and it hasn't really struck him. Like, we, we saw a bit of this last time, but yeah, it is not what he was looking for. It's not all the answers. Yeah, this... Uh... This may be controversial given how cool the fight scene was. This next scene it might be my favorite scene from the book. I I really love the culmination says it comes here. It comes to here. Yeah. It is I don't think it takes the top spot for me, but it's very good. I love says it so freaking much. He's very cool. He's a very good character. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he uh he's taking one more kind of look overall at the the ideas of faith uh, that he's gone through uh, he thinks back to to what spook said to him about uh once again trust about trusting that that someone uh will make it right and the uh the, the thing that he was that he he thinks about in particular uh, is that you have to in some way want to believe uh, and and what had happened to him was he was he was desperate for some sort of answer for some sort of sign, uh, and that is when he heard from Tensoon right as Tensoon was leaving, and it was not a a typical sign. It was not a sign that he thought he was looking for, uh, but it was a sign that he found, and that uh, that's he says you know Breeze was right. I was not meant to be an atheist. Love that line. We we talked a lot about Dostoevsky, but now we get some Tolstoy here of the the special moments in life are the little ones. They're not always the big giant miracles you hope for. And yeah, I love that. I love he he would believe because he chose to. That's that's the true meaning of Christmas to me, and I'm glad Sazed found it. I really I I was very curious exactly how this character arc would go down. I figured he would like refine his faith by the end of it, but I didn't know exactly how it would go. And I'm very satisfied with, with this uh, ending to that. And I think it's, it's a very nice contrast to how climactically visually and combatively things have been recently. Like 
it even notes like some important decisions were made on a battlefield and some was just quietly alone in a room yeah and i like that they're treated with you know perhaps not equal weight given that credit shaw exploded but like this is a such a huge moment for Sazed as well after some some quiet reflection i love that yeah so now that he has uh he has this moment uh, he is going to go return to the first generation. He has some more things that he'd like to know. And then Conpar ruins everything. Man, fuck Conpar. Yeah. <laughs> that was so ambivalent. I don't disagree. There are people that, that fuck. I, I want to say fuck two more, but Conpar <laughs> is a shithead. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, uh, there's a... a a gathering of the Chandra in place. The the second generation are back to kind of running things as they as they have been, and uh, one of the other Chandra has brought up the fact that the mists are gone, and Kanpar tries to to downplay this. He's he's making excuses about the the way that the weather behaves, uh, and just rained. Yeah. That's all it is. Uh, and he gets to what it seems like is kind of his whole driving philosophy here, uh, which is that uh, the Chandra, as immortal servants of the Lord Ruler, can outlast basically anything. And they will, even if the pesky humans up above won't, the Chandra will endure. And that's all they have to do. And then the first generation goes, nah, shut up, get out of here. Yeah, they <laughs> they they try to. You know, it's it's hard to hear them. the The first generation are somewhat uh, more worn down. But Haddock says that this is important, uh, and they must clear the trust warren and leave only the keeper, and that the day of the resolution may have come, which is uh, quite a quite a statement. The time to kill ourselves may be upon us. It's nigh. Yeah, once more we do have Sazed like hearing resolutions at hand, and he's like, "All right, cool. So about the mists, uh, what's the deal with that?" And, like the first generation <laughs> to be like, "All right, so that thing we said, it's it's actually pretty important. We should probably talk about that." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because now we we do have we we've heard about this uh, from the the epigraphs before, uh, but now. We, we have the details from the Chandra themselves. Uh, this, is, this is separate from the first contract. This is a, uh, a, a separate thing entirely that the Lord Ruler gave them a, as a command was that at one point it would be required for them to remove their blessings, uh, which would, would kill them, would change them back to mist race, remove their their sentience and their their selves uh, and that there was going to be a a time when every chandra would would have to do this Caesar never really asks why he's just like what do you why what's what's the deal with that when did, how did that come about <laughs> and it's never like what's wait no there should be a reason for why that that is in the contract yeah that does seem to be something that would uh would help motivate that it's a big ask and then we get a kind of bizarre line of we have never invoked this charge 
Yeah. I, you think? I, yeah. I figure you're, you are here, so I imagine you have not. But yeah, there's a um, there's a debate here. This seems like it's worthy of debate, but the uh, the the signs do seem to point to something. The uh, the mists having having all gone away. That's certainly something very visible, and uh, Sazed gets to kind of break into this debate uh, as, as they're trying to figure out what has happened to preservation and to his power. Uh, and he says, maybe someone else took it up. Could that be a thing that, that that's in the prophecies? Is it not that uh, someone is going to gather up preservation's power and, and hold it again? And uh, says it has is thinking very particularly of Vin here and what might be going on in the world above. And now specifically is the point when Kanpar comes and screws everything up completely. Man. Mm-hmm. Fuck Kanpar. I will actually say, (laughs) in this context, he's the worst, but in most circumstances, the entire, like, society is being told to kill themselves. I can imagine why a coup against that seems reasonable. It's only because we have the context of, like, why this is so important that he feels like an asshole. But he's being an asshole about it when he doesn't need to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to kill myself. What a whiner. <laughs> God. Uh, my earlier spasm was because I was trying to say fuck con par, and I'm pretty sure it was about to come out cock pon far, which is nothing. Hang on. No, I'm pretty sure pon far is a character from Star oh, Wars, I want to no. say. Uh, uh, Pondfar no, is the oh, Vulcan fuck or Star- die ritual from Star Trek. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> In which uh, I don't sci-fi. think. Uh, how does how does cucking work in that context? <laughs> um, uh, Spock's to be wife shirt and pull it. This is a talk for another day. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we're like a page from the end of the section, guys. <laughs> Fuck Conpar as... his pawn far cucking. <laughs> Justin's sick. We have to let him sleep. <laughs> Go on like this. Uh, yeah. So what we have is a is a coup. Is a, a physical overthrowing of the first generation. Conpar uh, and some of the other seconds have enlisted some of the fifths as their their muscle here in the operation, and they've displaced the the first generation, uh, and. As the as the chapter and our, our section ends, uh, they they capture Sazed as well, and this group who have very key information about the end of the world here uh, might not get to do what needs to be done about it. I love Sazed's last ditch thing of like, okay, you can lock us up, but can we please keep studying? This is really important stuff. It really is. Just let us have this, please. But that is where we're gonna stop. Uh, because I had to break this section somewhere. We could not read 40,000 words to just finish the book right now. So, yeah, for the last time in the Mistborn trilogy, we're going to uh, break here, try to figure out what happens next, and then prepare for another episode. Let's do it. Unless anyone... Does someone have someone to cast? Did someone be like, the one 
coin shot in the infirmary. I know technically, technically, we get more first generation voices, but I'm just gonna have them all be Charles Martinet. He has range. Let him have it. <laughs> Deal. Yeah. No. I I think we need to figure out. We've seen some key pieces of the puzzle fall into place. We have been getting some answers. There are actual answers here. Uh, but we need to see if this world is going to get saved and how it's going to happen. So, uh, doing that, uh, Sam, I believe you had a request to go second for this one. Did you not? I did. I okay. Did. Caleb, are you up for it then? Breaking tradition, but I'm here for it. All right. Yeah. Um, you've, you've had some pieces fall into place. What's, what's left? Is this world going to survive? Are they going to defeat Ruin? Are the Chandra all going to kill themselves? Let's. How does Sazed end up writing these epigraphs? Where do we go from here? Let's jump into it. Except first, I'm going to be even more insufferable than usual and uh, point out that even though it was not directly acknowledged, I did also correctly guess that the Atium was Ruin's body and that was being yes. hidden in the trust warrant. That is an Anyways. Order um so yeah what do we got um i don't think the 15th and 16th medals will actually be all that relevant at this point because it seems like the 16 percent thing was pointed just towards hey i'm making mistings um so i'm i'm reneging on that theory i had i do probably think the chicken nuggets in the well of ascension are one of the medals which would if we talk about like the metals being linked maybe the last metal is something that can permanently take away elemantic powers um but i don't think that's really going to be relevant in this book but hey write it down for the future um so something that has not been brought up particularly is that um we have a bunch of people getting sick from the mists and they're all mistings but we have other people getting extra sick from the mists and my guess is all of those people are mistborn and brandon is kind of tried to make us forget about these people because they haven't been brought up in like 20 chapters but hey we have like a contingent of 300 uh people led by demo walking around somewhere and if my theory is correct those are all mistborn now which is hopefully going to be real badass uh if that ends up coming true um so i'm hoping that's the case so i still think human is going to save <sighs> probably not vin at this point because she's disappeared save ellen's life maybe um, but in general, I think the Mistfallen are going to turn up at Luthadel and act as like the major anti-Colos force. The Epigraphs have also been hyping up the fact that you don't really need Duralamin to take over the Colos. So I think some of them are going to take control of the Colos. Hopefully Demo gets a cool moment where he gets to do it all on his own because I love Demo. Um, I think the, the, the Contra talk about how like removing our spikes is basically killing ourselves because it turns us back into Mistwraiths. And we don't have confirmation that, like, they will retain their consciousness. But technically, you could just put the spikes back in once the threat has passed. So I don't think it's quite as drastic. I'm hoping it's not quite as drastic as literal suicide. I hope it's just, like, remove your consciousness and then we might be able to fix it later. Um, so with that in mind, uh, there's that. Um, the Contra mentioned, the first generation mentions that power cannot be destroyed. So I'm sticking with my theory that they're going to successfully defeat Ruin's mind and consciousness. But the overall power of Ruin destroying the world will still kind of happen. Um, there is mention, there's, it gets briefly touched on that Marsh kind of notes that when he goes into a bloodlust, it's more difficult for Ruin to control him. 
So I feel like it'd be really interesting if, you know, Marsh is still kicking. Um, it'd be really interesting if he, like, purposefully gives in to that nature of himself so that he can break free from Ruin. That would be really, really interesting. Okay. Um, there is one question I have that I have, like, a possible answer for, which is I still believe Sazed is the Hero of Ages, but why can Vin draw on the mists and no one else seems to be able to? That's a question that does not seem to have a clear-cut answer aside from the if you don't have the Sazed theory the answer seems like it would be because she's the hero of ages um i will also say like part of the the Sazed theory got attacked a little bit here when it the contra mentioned like the hero of ages is supposed to be a successor to preservation and then vin turned into mists and appeared to turn into uh, very much like the mist spirit so right now it seems a lot like she is similar to a successor to preservation so it seems like it's still pointed that direction but Quan, I trust your clues, Quan. I'm I'm sticking with you. I, I'm not losing faith. I'm just pointing out that that I'm being attacked. I'm being put on trial. My faith is being put on trial, but I will believe. Um, so my answer to why can Vin draw on the mists? The epigraph mentioned there are some reasons that Vin was chosen by Ruin that even Ruin doesn't know about. My guess is that the epigraphs are just gonna. It's gonna be another one of well, the answer is because, and the explanation we will get is preservation also chose vin specifically um and it specifies ruin just chose her because she was in the perfect place to be a mistborn with extra bronze powers and i feel like preservation probably picked her because of her attitude or personality who she is as a person it specifically mentions ruin did not choose her because of that but preservation cares about humanity so it would pay attention to details like that and it would be like this is the girl that's going to bring it all home so that's why she has access. Preservation just allows that to happen. Um, if Sazed is the Hero of Ages, then the the other like kind of question that goes into the lore of who is the announcer, um, it could be Vin. I'm actually going to put a couple more chips on Ten Soon. I don't know exactly how that's all going to play out, but if there is going to be an announcer, I'm going to guess that it's Ten Soon, just because that would be cool. Um, I did find it, even though there were a couple of things attacking my Sazed theory a bit, some interesting details is that the epigraphs, they talk about the pronouns, but they default back to using he when talking about the Hero of Ages. Um, she is not mentioned by name, but Vin starts being talked about in the third person for the first time in these epigraphs by talking about Ruin picking her. Um, and, you know, the epigraphs have specifically mentioned Spook. They've specifically mentioned Ellen. They are now specifically referring to Vin in the third person. And I have noted they have never directly referred to Sazed. Um, so I am I am holding true to that. And then the final thing of, I kind of thought Sazed might start to piece it together here, and then he did not. Very specific uh, focus on the line, he will carry the future of the world on his arms, which certainly sounds a lot like carrying a bunch of really important metal mines on your arms, which Sazed is known to do. So I'm sticking with that. So with all those disparate things, I have one last, I, I, I'm fairly good at um, uh, calling out specific things. When it comes to the overall plot, I've actually not been very good at guessing what's going to happen, but I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got one last summary of how I think it's all going to go down if we're ready okay. for it. Okay. Vin is in a mist form. She's not really going to know what's going on. She's going to be kind of like, maybe have access to, you know, galaxy brain powers and not really know exactly what she's doing. 
I think she's going to return to the Well of Ascension. And because of preservation gobbledygook stuff, she's going to fill the well back up with Ascension powers. Ruin is going to be able to find his body because the mists are gone. The very beginning of the book mentions how there's like this shield over the world. And now I, I thought that that was maybe the mists. Now the mists are gone. So Ruin's going to be like, ah, I can finally detect where my body is. Also because the lid is open because they left the lid open. Um, Marsh is still going to be a weapon for Ruin for a while. He's going to be the kind of enforcer that goes to the Trust Warren to confirm for Ruin that the body is there. Tensoon and Milan. Tensoon's headed to Luthadel, though, so maybe not him. But I wrote this down, so this is what I have written down, even though I'm, I'm having second thoughts now. Tensoon and Milan will convince some of the Chandra to remove their spikes, but Kanpar and his crew will stick around. Ruin is going to take control of the remaining Chandra, maybe right, probably right after he gets his body. Um, however, then Marsh is going to purposely go into his bloodlust mode and sacrifice himself to save Sazed. And that will give Sazed time to get back to Luthadel. The Mistfallen are going to fight all the Koloss and Kondra. They're going to uh, uh, control some of the Koloss. That will help them fight. Ellen's going to get to the well. Going to find Vin. Vin's going to be back in her normal body because the well got filled back up. Ellen, Vin, and Ruin are going to have a showdown. Vin's going to be thinking, I'm still the Hero of Ages. I've got to jump back in that well. But then Sazed's going to arrive in time. Having realized what his role in all this is, he's going to become the Hero of Ages. That's going to enable them to defeat Ruin's, like, body and consciousness, but it's still going to be too late to stop the Ash. The surface world's still going to end, as the epigraphs said that the world is going to end. But everyone who's underground, which includes the Urto crew, the Yeoman crew, and the Church of the Survivor, all the people that Tensoon managed to convince in Luthadel, they're all going to survive, and Sazed will remake the world as it was um, before uh, Rashik turned up and, and ruined everything. So Ellen and Vin will survive. I guess Sazed will survive because someone has to actually write these epigraphs. Um, many of the Chandra will be restored because they can put their spikes back in. I have my fingers crossed for that. Um, Spook will probably get a little kissy because that just feels like what's going to happen now. Um, and the book is going to end with a flower growing similar to the one in Mare's picture, and the plants will be green again. And most importantly to all of this, the key to all of it, to the entire trilogy, Ham will survive as he was always meant to. All right. I have no idea if his family's going to live. No one's, no one's been telling his family to get underground, but Ham's going to be okay. All right. We've now got a plot of a book. I would read that ending. I may have already read it. I won't tell you. It may be how it ends. Mm. But now we're going to uh, flip over. Uh, Sam, you get the the rebuttal this time, even though it's we're going to find out how the book is way. going to end now. No, we don't. Uh, all right. So there's a lot left in this book, even though there's not a lot left in this book. There's a novella left in this book. There's a vignette <laughs> left in this book in terms of like. Uh, but a lot can happen in a vignette. Um, anyway, uh, as per usual, I just have one guess, uh, one shot here. Uh, everybody's got their own thing going on. What about human? What about Here's human? what I think. Here's what I think. I don't think the Koloss are headed for Luthadel. I think they're headed for the Trust Warren. Says it uncovered it, which means Ruin knows about it now. Um, Ruin would send a horde of people because there's a lot of Chandra and you gotta kind of overwhelm them with uh, dudes. 
Colas, you know, not just one guy, Marsh. I don't think that'll be enough to overwhelm everybody. I don't know. I mean, not that they can, like, hurt Marsh, but whatever. Um, so I think before the end of this book, we're going to get a human POV. I think human's going to reflect on the whole concept of control in his dumb Colas way. This will be the first, I think, non major character POV section in the book. Right? I don't think there's been one yet. Last book we had yeah, Wellen. Wellen. Well, we also got a Fat Trin POV as well. Yeah, th there have been a couple of very small ones. I actually I have the full list cuz it's how I build the the episode breakdowns, but they're they've been very very rare. Yes. Yeah. So I think this will be a rare non-main character POV, but I think it'll be kind of brutal, simple. Not, you know, he's not going to describe the landscape as oh the the lava bloomed out of rock faces like bubbling water and a anyway. Um, here's the, the other twist. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. I don't know how, but I'm excited to find out. We'll see. But I think it'd be a nice little twist if by the time they get there, the Adium's not there. Ooh. What where happened to it, it? Where would it I go? Don't know. Yeah. Conpar might have hidden it. Um, the, you know, it takes a while to march across an entire civilization. So, uh... Sazen and co might have taken back enough power or convinced them over to their side to, hey, he's probably going to come looking for it. Let's do something with this. But I don't think it's going to be where they expect it. Okay. Um, also, hey, we're an episode late for me to be bringing it up, but I know I brought this up. I can't find it in my notes again. I don't know why. I know I mentioned this. I know I mentioned Vin using the earring as a weapon. And I think I mentioned it in the final empire. I think so. Let me let me see if I can find anything. Let's do some control F. Yeah. Because she does use it as a weapon. She pushes it through Marsh's face. She yeah, does. That's true. Yeah. I don't see it in thing. my notes, but I, I can I can see what I can find later. That sounds familiar. <laughs> control F the audio recording, the transcript. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I don't know. Um, and then the question that Justin posed of where did Vin go? Uh, let's make a Homestark reference. Shit, let's be God. Okay. That's it. That's the prediction. I'm going to write literally that. <laughs> let's be God. Um, I don't know. I think part of that might be that the very next chapter is a Vin POV and I saw it out of the corner of my eye as I was wrapping up reading. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. I think Vin's already dead. Oh, well, could be. The, we her, her puffing into mist was actually just a smoke bomb and the smoke bomb will clear and she'll just be face down dead on the ground. <laughs> and now, welcome to Sam Got It Wrong, The Rant. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Every non-telegraph prediction I've made in this series has been incorrect without exception. Straff attacked the assembly, not Penrod. Mists are a good thing, apparently, even though they killed almost all the crops through lack of sunlight. Ruin cannot read your thoughts if you're spiked. My equalizer is up in flames, to say the least, 
because Vin killed Marsh, not the other way around, and is now apparently some sort of unkillable demigod. The gunpowder had no payoff at all, was mentioned apparently for yeah, no reason. Yeah, actually, I forgot about the gunpowder. <laughs> all my deaths were wrong. My only correct guess of a major plot point was Rashik being the Lord Ruler, and I took it back an episode later. <laughs> I hope... So I'm frustrated. <laughs> I hope okay, you're enjoying I... it, listener. <laughs> God damn. You've got a lot of green on our little notes. But you know what? The The worst part of it is just hearing Caleb hit home run after home run after home run. Let me tell you. Uh, I'd say it feels like Gary Kasparov playing against Deep Blue, but he only had to do that twice, and I've had to do it 40 times, and I will continue to have to do it. It's like if it's like if Gary Kasparov was told you are only allowed to play chess against Deep Blue for the rest of your life. Okay, he did play 12 games total. They were two six-game series. Right, so there two was sets. Le- there was at least a whole book's worth of, of episodes. <laughs> Three books of episodes. Ah! Okay, I, I, I will, I will point out that in our final Empire notes, one of your correct predictions is quote literally the whole plot twist of the goddamn book, which is that Rashek is a Lord Ruler. But I took it back the next episode. I said, I said I misspoke or I misunderstood what the epigraph was saying. So maybe I'm being harder on myself than you guys are being. That's fine. I but... think I think you I think you are being hard on yourself. You also I think the 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 very first like holy shit how did one of us guess that was Chandelarial as Mistborn. I don't think that was telegraphed, and you got that right away. Oh, okay, all right, final. All right, maybe you guys are right. <laughs> maybe there is hope. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what the the major point of it is the big twist. I'm having a lot of fun. I really enjoy this. Okay, thank God. I was getting worried. <laughs> and so I'm quitting the... No, I'm just kidding. I love this. We'll keep going. I'm, I'm sticking with you guys through the whole fucking Cosmere. So... Hell yeah, that's legally binding. You can't get away now. <laughs> I've signed it. There's no just... end point of the contract and no minimum time period. I'm signing into a uh, 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 wordage now that uh, if Sam does uh beat me on any book in terms of podcast points i will resign (laughs) now i just hope that i i mean we're the ones who give out the podcast points so i don't need to hope on this i can just make it happen but i hope that it is literally an exact tie every time it's a very complicated algorithm i like who knows like the points are assigned completely fairly you you both have five hundred (laughs) thousand. Nice. I just checked your balance. See, I'm just hearkening back to an exam I recently took where I gave uh, the complete wrong answer to a question, but my professor wrote close and gave me half credit. <laughs> I, I, what's more, I think you might be, I haven't seen the answer. I imagine you're probably being a little hard on yourself. I don't think your professor would I say know. that for no reason. I mean, I did completely flip a, a whole equation. That's a whole different story. <laughs> it was also an 18 point curve on that test so you, you know it's a... accounting it's fine it's fine it's great everyone i've said that to has said that should tell you something which should tell you something well, i guess it <laughs> told me something told I've you something been told. i have i have indeed been told 
Listen, if I ever get insufferable about how I podcast points, please call me out. <laughs> no, it's me. I'm paying attention to it. You know, like we've said from the very beginning that the the the, the points don't matter, but it's in my head. Colin Mockery is ahead of me. <laughs> I think Colin's ahead of all of us. He is, but I will also say that's the greatest compliment I could ever receive. God bless God. Colin Mockery as as a Haddock. Okay. Ooh, I'm all gonna, right. I'm putting it on the sheet. <laughs> God bless you, Colin Mockery. Hope you're doing well. God bless. Anyway, where can you find us? <laughs> Yeah, please give us our contact, hand out our contact information so people can send Sam some, like, positive affirmations. Yeah, send me a picture of a flower. Or they could send our info to Colin Mockery in case he wants to get in touch. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Hey, hey, let's make it two episodes in a row talking about cameo. Uh, My parents gave me a Colin Mockery cameo for my birthday once. That was really cool. There we go. Okay. It is cool. So I've, I've gotten in. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, we've got one episode to go. It's pretty simple to uh, to specify where we're going. We're starting at chapter 76. We're going all the way through the end of the book. That's chapter 82 and then an epilogue. We'll finish things up here for the Hero of Ages. Uh, when that episode comes out, which will be in one week's time for you, it's funny how that works, uh, you'll find it at <laughs> alwaysanotherpodcast.com or whatever podcast feed you choose to use. Uh, you can also email us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, we've got some more uh, building up that I definitely want to go over when we are full spoiler free for everything. I'm so excited for that. Uh, but in the meantime, you can also check in with us on Twitter at alwaysanotherpod as well as Instagram at alwaysanotherpod which keeps you uh, a little closer up to date with what we're up to. Uh, some of the uh, more important things that we discuss that don't quite make the the podcast proper. You know, there's lots of serious business here. And you can <laughs> see all that on our, our social media. Let's go ahead and get hashtag cuck trending. Let's do it, guys. Let's no. not. We can't. <laughs> you can't stop me. I run the Insta. <laughs> uh, I I can I have those credentials I could just change them. <laughs> oh, like I'm ruined. making good content, Justin. <laughs> no, we're we're all good. We're uh, we're gonna sign off. Some of us are sick. Some of us are in later time zones. Some of us are hard at work. Some of us might go ahead and read the end of this book tonight anyway. I won't stop you. It, I, it happens. I, I think you got the four genders there, yeah. I, I was going to say, I think that was all four of us running down the line. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, without further ado, we'll see you in one final episode. In the name of the Kelsier and the Sazed and the Holy Ham, amen. Caleb, I have terrible news. Not only are there zero... Yeoman slash Ellen fix. There are zero Yeoman fix, period. God damn it! <laughs>